You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and we're taking the opportunity this week to introduce you to our Consul's General in Toronto and in Vancouver, and Janice McGann has taken up the first position and the first inaugural Consul General of Toronto. Uh, a few years ago, the Irish government announced that they were going to expand the footprint and the Irish presence globally, and that included uh, Toronto and Vancouver. And Janice is the one that is forging the path in what is a busy, I'm sure, posting. Janice, thanks a million for coming along and congratulations on your posting. Thank you very much, Austin, and thanks very much for inviting me to talk to you today. Straight up, where are you from? I'm from Dublin. So, ah, okay. um, yes, I know, I know, I get that reaction when people <laughs> ask me and then they're disappointed. But um, I am, I am from Dublin and, um, like everybody else in Ireland, I love where I'm from and I'm, I'm very yeah. fond of Dublin. Growing up north side, south? We, we actually kind of moved a little bit around Dublin, really. We lived in different places. We lived in Tallow for a while. We, we lived in, in Bray, which is, of course, not Dublin. Um, but, you know, I, I went to school in Dublin, so. Right. But I, yeah. I suppose when people say to me, where are you from? Because we moved. I always say Harold's Cross because that's where my grandparents were right. based and right. spent a lot of time. And my, my grandmother is, is still alive and she's there as well. So Harold's yeah. Cross is kind of a very special place for me in Dublin. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to that because my father was in the bank, so we moved around. So I'm not from anywhere. So I have to claim somewhere. <laughs> you have to, exactly. You have to give some class of an answer. But, you you do. Yeah, you do, you do. But Harold's Cross, anyway, for me is is kind yes. of that's yeah, where I always where I say I'm from because yeah. that's where my grandparents are, and uh, that's where I spent a lot of time when I was young as well. So when you were moving, what ages would you have been? And the reason I ask is that our first move was when I was ten, and then twelve, and then I was sent to boarding school. And it's a, it depends on when in your life it can be quite disruptive, or it, because you change friends and everything else. Yeah, and God, now that's taking me back. <laughs> I need to remember <laughs> all the dates. Um, I think, I mean, I think when we went to Tala, I was maybe about six or seven, that kind of a way. And then a few years later, we, we went to Bray, and I spent most of my teenage years in Bray, actually. Um, and we moved a couple of times with, within there. So, yeah, so so those are the ages. Yeah, so no, it's, I mean, yeah, you have to make new friends and stuff, but yeah. I think when you're young, you're resilient, you know. Well, our daughter said to us at one stage when we had arrived in Canada that if we were moving again, it was without them. And they were only teenagers. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I have to say now, when, when you consider all the times I moved as a, you know, when we moved when I was young and then with the career I have now, yeah. <laughs> I'm well used to it. So. Uh, then the career you have now, you didn't come straight into foreign affairs. Not, not straight away. I mean, when I when I left college, I, I did law in in UCD, and I was planning on on becoming a solicitor actually. Mm-hmm. So after after I I left college, I was studying for my my professional exams, the FE ones. I was looking for an apprenticeship, and I also I did a few jobs. I suppose the most notable was um, I worked for a year as a paralegal in the Ryan Commission. Okay, um, and which was to look into. Um, institutions basically that that children were sent to um so yeah and and then I kind of maybe after a year or two after college I I went to the Department of Foreign Affairs but before that I mean I think I had my first part-time job when I was about 13 delivering papers so there was lots of other jobs supermarkets restaurants all all, all that kind of thing yeah fairly varied and I guess that's one of the differences between growing up in Dublin and down the country because down the country there really were no jobs 
when you were a teenager? Being on the Rank Commission, what's happening at the moment must be bringing up some memories of that, particularly when I, the scandal that's erupted over the boarding schools, uh, secondary schools in Ireland, and the trauma that an awful lot of people have gone through. And to, to sit in on a commission that was examining that must have been an eye-opener and provided you with a different perspective on a lot of things. Yes, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't presume, to be honest with you, to talk about that that level of trauma. Um, it, it was a job that I did. I, I was a paralegal now, so I, I worked with a solicitor, yeah. uh, one of the solicitors on, on the commission. Um, and I suppose it was just a sense of we were we were doing valuable work, you know, and that's at its heart. That's what I, I think public service is about, that you're doing something that's really of value, to, to people but yes I mean there's a lot of trauma but I, I, I have to say no I, I wouldn't presume to speak in relation yeah. to that because I, yeah. I, I think people have their own stories to tell Oh I know but just even to be a part of the process where you heard all of that and you could you could um, in many ways a lot of us grow up protected and yeah. there are those who have grown up and they have been far from protected and to, to cross the line and hear some of those horrific stories uh, can be quite eye-opening, particularly in, an, in a society where we think things are well. Yeah, I, I suppose just, just to clarify, I actually never sat in on any of the hearings, I don't right. think, if I'm not mistaken, because of, of the job I, I did. But I, I, would have, I would have dealt with documents, um, of course, in, in relation to the work. And, and no, no, you're right. I mean, there's, yeah, it, it, it was an experience that... Um, yeah, it was difficult to, you know, to, to deal or to read some of these things. But but again, I suppose I'm just careful as, as to what I say, because I, I really feel it's the survivor's voice mm-hmm. that, that should be heard. But I've always been very interested, I suppose, in public service. So, again, that was a job where I really felt like we were we were doing something that was a real value. So when you did, um, you went straight into foreign affairs, did you, or did you have a circuitous route? Because I know some cases people go in and they're there for life. They're born diplomats. There's others, <laughs> and they're diplomats by, diplomats by accident. I think, I think I'm probably uh, more of a diplomat by accident, to be honest with you. Um, I know I, I hear these stories of people and, and they were, you know, dreaming from nearly the moment they were born, they'd be a diplomat, but that wasn't my case. I, I was planning on becoming a solicitor. You know, I, I did law. I, I started studying for my exam, my professional exams when I when I came out of college. So that was the idea. But um, it was kind of I was I was trying to find an apprenticeship, you know, and it was to be a solicitor, and it was the height of the Celtic Tiger, and it was difficult to find one. Everybody wanted to be a solicitor, and I was, <laughs> I was getting a bit fed up, you know. I was sending out I don't know twenty CVs a week, and then one day my dad said to me, um, "Oh, you know, there's an ad for third secretary." which is the entry grade in, in DFA for diplomats, he goes, oh, that's a good job. You should apply for it. And because I was feeling a bit fed up, right. I applied for it. Um, so, so that was kind of it. And then, of course, as I, as I did the recruitment, you know, I went through the recruitment process. I began to think, oh, do you know, I'd really like to do this. But I, I didn't get it straight away. I got put on a panel, the famous civil service panels. But a year later, they, they rang me up. And the timing, the timing just really worked, you know. There was a couple right. of things that had shifted in my life. And, yeah, I, and it wasn't. And by that stage, I'd gotten the apprenticeship and I was about to, to start in, in Blackhall Place to do my course. And suddenly this, this opportunity came up that I wasn't expecting because when I was put on the panel, I thought, you know, no more of it. Yeah, so it was, it was, I wasn't dreaming of it. But then this kind of this opportunity came and I thought, I can't turn it down. Right. I don't know if, if this will ever come up again. And, 
you know, that's where we went for it. And yeah, it's been an incredible experience. So as third secretary, you got an immediate posting or spent time at head office first? No, I spent time at head office first and that would be standard. You know, it's I'm not sure if you could even go in and go out on posting straight away. Um, my first job was in UN section. I was right. the desk officer there. And then after a year, I went to Lithuania. Right. And I was the, the deputy head of mission there. And that, that was great. I don't know if you, if you know Lithuania, but it's a... It's a beautiful, beautiful country, and it was it was just great to kind of to go to like a small embassy and learn all the different aspects of, of working in a mission. And because because our missions are quite small, and I've actually only ever served in small missions, your your work is so varied, and yeah. I and I love it, you know. So so that was that was the first post in Lithuania for three years. Is there much of an Irish community there, or what would have been? the prime focus of your posting there? There isn't a huge Irish community. And actually, I've never served anywhere with a huge Irish community. So, of course, <laughs> Toronto is a whole different kettle of fish. I, I think there was about 20 or 25 Irish people on our, on our list. And we were including some spouses now as well on, <laughs> on that. Um, so, no, it, it was super small. I mean, I probably knew everybody in the Irish community who was actually Irish or nearly everybody it was very small. So I suppose a lot of our focus in, in Lithuania would have been um, the fact that it's an EU member state. You know, right. so the policy is we have missions in all EU member states. And then there'd be the usual things, the cultural events, providing consular services, passports, providing visa services, very much what a normal embassy would do, but maybe less community focused because it was just less people, mm-hmm. less Irish people in the country. So a really powerful training ground. In that context. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love that diversity of, of the work from working in a, you know, in a smaller mission. No two days are the same. It could be, you know, there's just there's just such a variety. Like in, in my career, I've I've gone to presidential inaugurations and I've gone into prisons and everywhere yeah. in between. You know, right, it's, right. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a large mission, you might be so narrowly focused that you wouldn't get that type of exposure. Yeah, no, they're probably less in the Irish system because even our big missions, you know, like, like for example, if you went to a really big foreign service, you have people who are super specialised in, in the embassies. I think there's probably always a good variety of work in Ireland, right. but particularly maybe in the smaller missions. So after Lithuania, then back to Dublin or was it on to the next posting? No, it, it was back to Dublin and I, I went to protocol for a year and I dealt with high-level visits, so I, right. I would have worked on the visit of Queen Elizabeth, which was oh. a, a very special visit. Yeah. And I also went on a couple of visits with um, President McAleese at the time, where she where she went out. And, and then we would have also done high-level hospitality. So let's say if the minister was having a dinner or a lunch. Super, really interesting, just an incredible experience working in protocol. I really enjoyed it. So when someone like the Queen was coming to Ireland and she made it around the country, went down to Cork and a variety of places, like there's an awful lot of minute that you have to get down to. And I guess part of the, the job in that type of scenario is to make sure that everybody on the path is familiar with what is the appropriate type of behaviour. Absolutely. And and, and um, now I wouldn't have been the lead officer on, on that, it would have been somebody more senior. But like, for example, on any high level visit, you know, you, you have what we call walkthroughs, advanced visits. So let's say um, 
the president is going somewhere. Protocol will go to the country beforehand. You'll literally go to every single venue, walk through what's going to happen. And then on the day, and this was actually work that I did an awful lot, I was an advance officer a lot. So let's say you had a minister coming in and they were going, I don't know, know where they were going to the Guinness factory or or somewhere to a meeting I would go to the venue ahead of time and I would just check that everything was okay I'd be liaising with the our staff who were with the VIP so not only you're planning everything in advance but you also have people on the ground in advance you know when everything runs smooth generally when it runs smooth it looks great but you're (laughs) totally right there's so much work so much detailed work and planning that goes into that to make it look smooth. And on the day, are you hovering in the background? Yes. Well, it it really depends. I mean, if you're the advance officer, you never you you rarely get to see see the VIP. You know, you'll be right. you'll be let's say at the venue ahead of them, they'll arrive and you'll go on to the next venue. Right. So, so sometimes, yeah, no, I've I've been with ministers as well where I'm actually accompanying them, and I wouldn't say hovering. I would say effectively managing the situation. <laughs> I was using it in a pleasant sense that you're you're one of one of uh, the, um you're always outside the camera. You're, you're, yeah, you're no, uh, absolutely, yeah, no, no. I I thought it sounded a bit sinister, hovering, but no, you're totally right. You're the the job is to blend into the background. Yeah, but just make sure that everything is running as smoothly as it can be. <laughs> so then, after after the protocol, you get to go abroad again. No, I didn't. Um, no. I, I went to our EU division, and yeah. at the time it had moved, at, or I was there when it moved to the Department of Taoiseach, so I was there for a couple of years, and I, I would have been there during our EU presidency in 2013. So, again, really, really interesting. I loved being in the Department of Taoiseach. We had lots of people from Foreign Affairs, and then we had people as well from the Department of Taoiseach, so you kind of had those two cultures mixing. Right. It, was, it was a great experience. But after that, yes, I got out and I went to Brazil for four years to Brasilia. So while you were there for the EU in the, the Department of Taoiseach, was that that would have been leading up to uh, Brexit? No, because I, I, I left in 2013. I was there from oh. 2011, 2013. So I would have left just after our presidency. So no, I, I missed Brexit by a couple of years. Right. Right. But I went back to EU division after Brazil. I okay. wasn't dealing with okay. Brexit. Okay. So you had for Brazil. Brazil. Um, yeah. Totally. And again, there's a strong Irish relationship with Brazil. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, there's. Uh, you know, we we had a bigger community in Brazil, definitely. Yeah. But um, Brazil is a very big country. Yeah. And the capital, you know, is 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 administrative capital in Brasilia. So a lot of the community would wouldn't have been in Brasilia. Yeah. You know, so we would have been very, very far away from them. But I mean, Brazil is an important partner for Ireland. You know, it's an economic powerhouse, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that was a really interesting job. And it was different. It was different to Lithuania in the sense of I was the deputy there as well in Brazil. But of course, like when I was there, we uh, we opened the consulate in Sao Paulo. But for the first couple of years, we had two diplomats for the whole of Brazil, you know, and it's such an important country. So it was really kind of, it was a great experience because it was, you know, it was a step up basically. Um, yeah, but it, it was fantastic. And we did all sorts of things there as well. And that was a four-year stint. Yeah, it, it, it was a four-year stint. And no. I really enjoyed it. At what stage 
Um, where, you, you got married somewhere along the line. Was where, where, where was that? Well, that was in Brazil because um, I was there a couple of years or 18 months maybe, and, and I met my future husband in Brasilia. And then we got married there a couple of years after that. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's where I met my husband, and he's Brazilian. Right. So, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah, so I basically yes, Brazil was a good posting professionally and personally. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, and while you will have in Toronto particularly, and you would have had probably in Lithuania, you'll get quite a few ministerial visits coming to somewhere like Canada. Were you was yeah. Brazil would not have been to the same extent, or was it to the same extent from what would be. Uh, ministerial travel and would you have had that type of event happening then? No, we, we, we did have ministerial travel for, you know, for St. Patrick's Day mm-hmm. because it is different and it's, it's, it's obviously much further away, but of course it's a very important partner. Um, and then also, I mean, when, when the consulate opened, you know, you could, you could bring a minister out to Brasilia and then Sao Paulo and, and maybe Rio. So, um, no, no, we, we had ministerial visits and, right. Yeah, but uh, so working protocol came in handy for organising those. I'm sure it did. Yeah, Yeah, no, and it's an important part. I know, of course, we expect lots of ministerial visits here in Toronto, but um, yeah, it's a really important part of kind of promoting and and promoting Ireland and helping to deepen the bilateral relations we have with the country. Right. So you're um, married to two and a half years or year two years and um, uprooted again and heading back to Ireland with the Brazilian husband. Yeah, something. No, I, we weren't even married. Like, no, we were married, but we were only married about seven or eight months or something. Um, right. And we didn't actually go back to Dublin. We went to the UK for a year. Okay. Because I, I, I did a master's in Bath, University yeah. of Bath. I did an MBA. So we went to the UK for a year and then on to Ireland. Right. Um, we were there for four years then. And was that much of a culture shock for your husband? For my husband, well, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, well, he, he actually had been, he'd lived in the UK for, I don't know, six or eight months or something. He, right. he did part of his doctorate in, in Oxford. Um, no, he really liked it, but I have to say, he loves Ireland, it's, which right. is fantastic. He, re- he really does. Um, and I think the culture between Brazil and Ireland is really similar. I always felt really comfortable over there. Right. Um, which, which, you know, it's so far away, but there's, there's a lot of emphasis on, I suppose, the importance of family, music, you know, kind of friendliness. So he, he really settled in really well to, to Ireland. And actually, he's in Ireland at the moment. All right. By the time this goes out, he'll probably be back. But he, he's been there for a couple of weeks now. Right, right. He, yeah, he really Sorry. likes it. <laughs> he's leaving you behind and he gets the, he's getting the reinfusion. He's getting the reinfusion, yeah, and he's, he's calling into my grandmother and, and meeting up with all my family. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. leaving me behind, but yeah. um, that, that's fair enough. So. so you came over, what, about August, um, September, August time frame? Yeah, we came yeah. over the end of August, so we've been here just over, over three months. Yeah, and it's just—it's been great. I mean, Toronto's an amazing city. I'm not sure where you're based, Austin, but Toronto's an incredible city. Yeah, normally I'm in Ottawa. That's... Okay. Very nice as well. I like Ottawa. It is very nice indeed. Um, but you're into what is certainly a very vibrant and large, well-established Irish community. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I'm sure and it's it's a whirlwind just trying to to find your feet at the moment. Oh, completely. I mean, you know, setting up a, a new mission, we're we're really building it from the ground. You know, and <clears> when I when I arrived on on my first day, I went into my office and there was nothing in it except a tiny desk, a tiny like a child would do their homework at, and one table, and that was it. Not even computer monitors. So we're we're really starting um, and, and building something up from the ground and of course part of the reason we're, we're setting up in Toronto is you know it's it's kind of the government the Irish government's commitment to the Irish community here and about deepening that engagement which is a very important part of our work we've been trying to get out as much as we can to meet with community groups and, and you know key contact people mainly in Toronto just mm-hmm. because we've, we've just arrived but um we're doing our best. So if we haven't got range to various people in groups, they'll have to unfortunately accept our apologies. But um, it's, it's a fairly substantial community in Toronto, just in Toronto, you know. Well, it is like you're looking at dealing with a population nearly the size of Ireland. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Ab- absolutely. But it's fantastic. And the community here, I mean, as I was saying, I've, I've never been in a country with a large Irish community. But I mean, I'm just blown away, like by what's here and the structures that are here and the support that the community gives. It's, it's, yeah, it's really fantastic. You know, it's kind of, I suppose, the best of what it means to be Irish when you see that type of support being given within the community. Yeah, indeed. And of course, because it's so long established and we're talking a community that traces its history back even pre-famine, that there is a depth of history there that while it's not always obvious you can get the undercurrent of it you can sense that it's there yeah absolutely and i mean there's different the way i kind of think of it is it's it's like um it's like rock i'm not sure if it's limestone or shale or or the exact term but you know you you have the different layers of the different waves of immigration built on top of each other with their different experiences of what it was like to emigrate but that it makes the whole, you know, and one is built on top of another. So you've yeah. got, yeah, no, definitely, you've got the history, and and even in more modern t- times, you you have those different waves, and how different the experience is. If, for example, if you came in the last decade, or you came in the seventies or eighties, you know, they're really just different experiences. And and people left from different Irelands, and that's one of that's yeah. part, that's one of the things that can be very hard for those of us who came. And in my case, it's only a little over 30 years ago. Um, but for someone who came 50 years ago, it was a different Ireland they left than I left. And the people subsequently, they left a different Ireland. And it can often be difficult for us to relate to each other. Yeah, no. And, and of course, not even not even one of the different Irelands that you might have left. But there was different ways of keeping in touch. You know, now oh, yeah. when you, you ring somebody on WhatsApp or Skype, and I presume 30 years ago, you know, just the level of interaction that you can have. So not only is it a different Ireland, but it's a different experience to be here, I'd imagine, as well for you. Right. So what I know you have, you're part of Team Ireland because Team Ireland is the IDA Tourism Ireland. Um, The Ireland Canada Immigration Centre is there. Um, Enterprise Ireland. So Team Ireland is now very much filling out as a cohesive unit within Toronto responding to the needs of that large community that you you define as being there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, we we have already Tourism Ireland, Enterprise Ireland, IDA here. We have Board Via as well, based in the states, um, covering. And I suppose you know when when we talk about 
the the console being set up. It's, it's part of this initiative called Global Ireland, which is all about doubling our, our impact and our influence by 2025. And we want to promote Irish interests within Canada. So various types of interests. When, when it comes to commercial interests, obviously we have our state agencies in Toronto who are doing fantastic work. And the consulate will really be focusing on how do we fit in there to further facilitate and, and promote our commercial interests. But opening the consulate is also about um, the importance that the Irish government places on the relationship with Canada. And uh, you know yourself, particularly if you're up in Ottawa, that the relationship is great between Ireland and Canada. It goes mm-hmm. back centuries. There's always room to improve it and to deepen it and, and widen it. So that's part of our, our mission here. And also to promote culture. I mean, Toronto is just a hub for culture international culture in general so yeah we're, we're going to be working very much as part of the team ireland and of course with the embassy up in ottawa who've been doing fantastic work in toronto and are still involved uh, down here and are, are constant in vancouver and that's i suppose where the the added value is when we can all work together as team ireland to just make sure that we're promoting irish interests as best we can you remember when um uh, you said there were only two of you covering Brazil. I remember when there was only three covering Canada. Um, yeah. And that's not that long ago. So, no, uh, no. No, we're yeah. very effective, mighty but effective in right. DFA. But it's, it's nice to have nice to have the consulate in Toronto. It's nice to have the consulate in San yeah. Paulo, you know. Yeah. It really makes a difference. It does indeed. Um, before we wrap up, um, I, and this is more out of like like um, – do you guys have kids at this stage and have yet did you have to get them into schools in Toronto? No, I, I, I don't have children. My my colleague, um our deputy here, William Barrett, they, they do have children, so he's one of one of his I know one of his kids is in school, so they're dealing with all that. But yeah. no, um we, we haven't had had to do that. And of course, yeah, it's always concern, I think, for officers coming over. It's not just the officer, it's it's no. family, whatever form that is, children, partners. But uh, no, I think everyone's settling in well. It takes a while, though, to find your it way. It does. Around. It does. And yeah. things like finding doctors is not easy. No, no, it's it's difficult. But I, I have to say, I mean, we're, we've just been so lucky. Um, the community here has helped so much, you know, just, just yeah. in terms, I suppose, of us going to meet them. But also, if we have any queries or, you know, we can't find anyone to ask, we maybe ask somebody we know in the community. And people have been so supportive. I know the community here is really delighted to have the consulate and we really appreciate the support we've gotten for them so far as well. Janice, you have a piece of music that has a special meaning. What is it and what's the meaning? What's it about? It's um, Falling Slowly by Glenn Hansard and I suppose when when I met my husband Daniel in Brazil, I think it was one of the, it was the first Irish movie we watched together because he didn't know a huge amount about Ireland and little did he know who's going to become an expert in Ireland anyway. So so it was one of the first movies we watched, and we also played the song at our wedding. So, yeah, it has very special meaning, and it's a beautiful song as well. It is indeed. Janice began. it has been a real pleasure meeting you. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and I hope we can keep in touch from time to time and That's catch what you're brilliant. up to. Yeah, and thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk to me.